Lord's Prayer just isn't a beautiful prayer to give us comfort. It is, in fact, a way to live. It's the way. It's Jesus' way. If we want to know what the Christian life is all about, just look at what Jesus taught us to pray. So we're in a series called The Way, looking at the Lord's Prayer. Thanks for joining us. I think most of us would probably agree to the idea that we don't want to come to church to hear about politics. You here to listen to that? You say, I, I didn't come to church to hear about politics. I, I don't want to hear about politics in my church. Besides, after all, what do you know as a pastor? You don't know anything. You work one day a week. You sit in your office in your tweed jacket, contemplating the depths and the mystery of God. If I could grow a beard, I would stroke my beard and contemplate the wonders of God. That's what you think pastors do, right? We say, Pastor, don't talk to me about politics. Well, the problem is, if you don't want to hear about politics, you can't pray the Lord's Prayer. <laughs> Whoops. Sorry. It's just kind of there. Do you remember last week when we talked about thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven? I mean, look, you can't just say that and not get into what Jesus is talking about, which is politics. Well, what is it? What are politics? It's an ordering. It's a structuring. It's a system about how we are to order and create things. In fact, God, who is the infinite and the mysterious, still also has a certain way about living and going about daily things. You read about it in the Old Testament. You can see it. In fact, in all of Scripture, in the New Testament, in the life of Jesus, it seems that when in the Old Testament God gave the law, there's a lot of real clear markers about who we are as God's people and how we are supposed to live in the world. It's a system. It's a structure. You're supposed to live like this. Why? Because of this. Why are we supposed to treat people a certain way? Because we're supposed to remember that we once were a people who didn't have a place and all of these reasons. And God gives the, the why behind the law and behind the reason of all things. And what we do is, in our world today, is we see the abuse of power. We see the abuse of power, the abuse of people in church talking about politics. My role as a pastor is not to tell you how to vote. Some other churches have pastors that do that, and I think that's a misuse of their pastoral authority. I want to talk about a kingdom that brings us together rather than separates. Because as you're watching this video now, Look, there's different people with different ideas. We have different ways about how we want to structure things and how we all go about things. What we do all along is we look at a God who breaks into the world, who speaks about a kingdom. That is coming. It's at hand, yet still to come. And then invites us as God's people to be a part of the kingdom making business. But some of us identify as red or blue. We've got the image of the elephant or the donkey. We've got this person, we've got that person, and all along we don't want to mix. I didn't come to church to hear a political sermon, right? All right, so I'm going to give you two sermons today. You get two for the price of one. Isn't that a deal? All right, make sure you have a snack because we're going to be here till 6 o'clock today. All right, here's my first sermon. It's called the warm and fuzzy sermon. So here's what happens when we pray, give us this day our daily bread. Right, because it comes right after the kingdom language, right? When we hear the phrase daily bread, it gives us great comfort. 
because it reminds us that God is one who meets our needs. He provides for us. He makes sure that we have enough. We have enough of what we need. Again, don't misunderstand this. Sometimes we pray and we say, I just don't want daily bread. I want bread for the next three weeks. But no, we're supposed to pray, give us today what we need. Give us this day our daily bread. Today you may have a need. You may have a lack or a desire for something. It could be financial. It could be a provisional thing. It could be a health thing. It could be a relationship. But you're in need. And the good news of the gospel is that God is one who gives us what we need today. So what you desire, what you brought in as a need, not just as a want, or I would like to, but say, God, this is really where I am. I'm struggling with this. I'm hurting with this. God desires to meet us where we are, to help us with that need. So God gives his daily bread. But it may not be bread for you. I mean, look, you don't need a sandwich right now, do you? Most of us have bread or access to food. We have access to bread today. So it may not be bread, but it might be that word, which is a symbol for something that helps us with that need. So we pray, give us daily bread. And we take comfort from that, is that God gives us this. And you can fill in the blank for what this is. So when I'm struggling or hurting, when I have a broken relationship, I don't know what to do about tomorrow, whatever that might be, whatever you're feeling, I want you to feel the comfort of God. I want you to feel the presence of God that says, today, God, I want you to help me with what I need today. I need this today. That's daily bread. So if that's all you need, you don't have to listen to the rest of what I need to say. But when I look at the Lord's Prayer, this is also what I see. Here's my second sermon. There's something about the language of the prayer, and when we pray it, give us this day. Most of the time we pray it in a beautiful sanctuary. We pray it out loud with one another, so it's comforting. It's nice. It's sort of that nice warm blanket with a cup of hot cocoa. Ooh, give us this day our daily bread. And in some ways, you know, we pray it in kind of an attitude of, dear God, if you have time, if you're able to, I'd really like it if you could help me with this today. If you could give me this day my daily bread, but I, I don't want to bother you, uh, but, but if you can, that, that's okay. You ever feel like that? You know, I don't want to bother God. You know, I, I may need something, but I'm living in this tension of, well, how do I ask? How do I pray? Jesus helps us with this. Well, the writers of the gospel, when he gives us this prayer. And really, what Jesus was saying, what the Greek writers help us understand, is the thing called the imperative form of the language. Now, back in those days, they didn't necessarily use punctuation when they wrote the scripture. We do it today. We teach our children that you put a period at the end of a sentence. If you're asking a question, you use what? Right? You're with me? Question mark. And if you want to show excitement or enthusiasm, if you're going to write the word, wow, that's awesome, you don't put a period at the end of that sentence. You put what? An exclamation point. That's right. So they didn't have that in those days. Uh, they didn't have, when they were writing out this Greek language, they had to use verb tenses. And that's what they call the imperative tense, which is, in fact, 
a demand. It's a way of showing excitement. It was their exclamation point, if we could put it in today's terms. So when we pray, give us, it's not like, give us. It's, it's give us. Give it to me. It's demanding. I don't know how you feel about demanding things when you pray. What are you going to demand? Well, Jesus wants us to demand this thing called daily bread. So Jesus is saying, this is how you should pray. Give it to me. Come on. I need it. That's the language. That's a little bit different than the way that we do it. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our trespasses, etc. That's going to be next week. But you see the whole of the Lord's Prayer shapes out through these next couple weeks. You have to get to, again, the flow of this movement. We've moved from naming God, who is the one who runs this house, the one who is all of our Father, the Father of us who resides in heaven, which is the ideal, which is the perfect. Holy is God's name. God's essence, character, power is different. It's holy. Right? Then we transition. We name who God is. Then we say, we want a kingdom to come and for God's will to be done. That's very political. That's talking about a kingdom that's going to break in on the kingdom that we're living in right now and saying that we want a different way of ordering things, of structuring things. That's politics. We want a different political system. right? We see the way that things are happening now. God, we want your stuff, your kingdom, your will on earth as it is in heaven. Bring down your stuff. We want the heavenly stuff on earth. It's not just about, gosh, if I, can I have a little something to eat today to satisfy my need? I think if we're going to demand something, it's got to have more power than just for right now. So here's what I think is happening. Do you remember a guy named Caesar Augustus? You probably recognize him from the Christmas story from Luke chapter 2. It's Christmas. Caesar Augustus sent out a decree that the whole Roman world should take a census. And right, Mary goes with Joseph to the town of Bethlehem because Joseph was from the line of David. So each went to their town, etc. You know this story, right? So that's what we know about Caesar Augustus, is he's the one who sent out that decree. It starts the whole Christmas Eve service with, right? When you look at a coin, you know, archaeologists have found this. When you look at a coin of Caesar Augustus, if you're going to have a coin made of yourself, right, and you're going to put your face on it, what would you put on it? Remember class rings? Remember the high school rings where you get to put the year you graduated and then a choice of one or two things on the side? Maybe you're a cheerleader, football player, you put an instrument, or something else that was an image of what you were doing in high school that defined you? All right, you with me? So this is what Caesar does when he puts his face on the coin. He puts his face next to bread, a symbol of bread, of grain. Interesting. In addition to just declaring that the Roman world should be taken, Caesar Augustus initiated a bread program in all of Rome, particularly in that city. His campaign strategy was to make sure that every Roman citizen had bread every day. So Jesus is living in this world where he sees the coin of Caesar. You remember the story when someone said to Jesus, right, uh, what should we do with our taxes? And he, he looks at this coin and he says, well, whose inscription? And, you know, there's Caesar's on it. And he says, 
render unto Caesar what is Caesar's, give to God what is God's, right? So on the coin that Jesus would have held would have been the picture of Caesar's face. Next to his face would have been a, a stalk of grain, a stalk of grain, because Caesar gave bread to everybody. That's what he wanted to be known for. Now, remember, Jesus was out in the field with a whole bunch of people. And they came to him. He's teaching them. He realizes everybody's hungry. So what does he do? He takes bread, doesn't he? Takes some fish. He feeds thousands of people. Here's what happens. The poet Juvenile in the first century said this. With no vote to sell, the people's motto is we couldn't care less. There's a time when the people elected generals, heads of state, commanders of legions, but now they pulled in their horns. There's only two things that concern them, bread and circuses. Caesar understood that he could control the masses if he gave them bread. And he gave them a little show. Anybody remember the movie Gladiator? You see it in there. It's sort of this historical fiction kind of story with Russell Crowe. He's there, and they bring out carts into the Colosseum. There's tons of soldiers, and the crowds are a little nervous because they don't know how to trust the Caesar yet. And they throw open the tarp, and it's carts full of bread. Do you remember that scene in the movie? And they take the bread, and they throw it out into the crowds. And what did the crowd start to cheer? Caesar. Caesar. Caesar knew that he could have his crowd if he gave them bread, and he gave them circuses. Wait, well, we don't do that today. No, we're much more enlightened, aren't we? It seems now today that we've transitioned into a world where we used to trust our politicians and laugh at our comedians, and now we trust our comedians and we laugh at our politicians. In Jesus' day, when he says, give us this day our daily bread, does it elicit comfort and care? Yes, of course it does. Claim that. But I can't just leave it there. If we're going to talk about a kingdom that's coming, about a will in a way that we are desiring in our world, where the very next line is in the imperative form that says, give us this. Give me bread. You know, sometimes we see in the world that we can take something and weaponize it for power's sake. It might not be bread in our world today. So I think if we're going to live out this Lord's Prayer, if we put it into our language today, uh, I would adjust it to maybe be like this from the beginning. Father of us all, you run this house, and you are the ideal. Your way, your character, your essence, your name is holy. We want you to bring down your heavenly stuff, your purpose and will and way. We want it to be with us. We want it on earth as it is in heaven. In order for that to happen, I need blank. Give us blank. It might be bread. I think you could probably figure out what the word or words we've tried to weaponize. Concepts, phrases, we throw them around all the time, don't we? Uh, if you're not so sure, we'll start to see them rise in the next couple months. As candidates are going to go through their systems, we're going to have one person on one side, another person on the other, and side by side, they're going to go into November, and they're going to waltz into it, and they're going to have words. They're going to say, I'm going to give you bread. You vote for me, and you're going to get bread. Again, it won't, won't be bread. It'll be something else. It'll be what they say. It'll be that word that symbolizes power. Jesus takes 
the symbol of the empire that is oppressing them. And he says to the people, when you pray, when you live, you ask God who you are inviting to bring God's stuff on earth. You demand it. You take that symbol of the empire and you want it now. You take it back. If bread is going to be Caesar's thing, then what we're going to do now is we say, I want that symbol. That's what I need. That's the stuff that I need for your kingdom to come and for your will to be done. I need to turn this world upside down. Because that's what happens when we pray for a kingdom to come, for a will to be done on earth as it is in heaven. That's what it's like to upend this world for the first to be last and the last to be first. For the great among us to now be considered as servants. That's bread. That's the bread that we want. So I want you to feel comfort. But I also want to challenge you. It's been said that the gospel is a comfort to the afflicted and affliction for the comfortable. I believe that God has something for us today that's going to meet our needs. And he has bread for us. He has bread for you. But there might be something as well that you need to take back. That you need to say, God, give me this so that I might live as a person of light in this place. We've taken it and we've used it and we've abused it for power's sake. But as your child, I'm going to take it back. I'm going to invite for that bread. I'm going to take it back because I'm going to ask you for it. I'm going to pray for it. I'm going to demand that you give it to me. Give me this back. Give me. Give us. It's a corporate prayer. 